right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the No Laying Up Podcast. Sally here, got an episode coming shortly with Martin Ebert, a uh, renowned golf course architect who has worked on many, many, many uh, projects that we've seen on television over the years at the Open Championship. We talk about a lot of that stuff, but most importantly, we talk about the changes that have been made to Royal Liverpool over the last several years in advance of next week's Open Championship. Uh, if you're listening in your car, we also have a YouTube version of this. If you're watching on YouTube, you're already in the right place. But uh, layered in a bunch of images of a lot of the stuff we're talking about on the golf course. I know it can be a little difficult to follow that some some of that when you're on a podcast, but there is a whole video on YouTube that hopefully you're watching now that complements everything and shows the new 17th hole and talks about the routing changes and some of the changes made and it just helps you visualize everything so i highly suggest you check that out even if you do uh listen to some of this uh in your car because i think it adds adds an extra layer to it so uh it's been enjoyable getting some of these up on youtube we appreciate everyone watching it watching in both places or listening in both places if you if you don't mind helping us out this episode is brought to you by our friends at walker trolleys if you plan to watch a fair amount of the uk british open as it's so widely known presented by her former majesty the queen now presented by his majesty the king then best to get familiar with the differences in golf lingo across the pond in the uk they don't call them push carts they call them trolleys our friends at walker trolleys have designed a classic trolley that would not be out of place at royal liverpool uh, when bobby jones was winning opens the cape 1.5's polished aluminum frame and use of waxed canvas and leather create a trolley that stands out all over the course and now walker trolleys come standard with run flat tires and through the end of the summer walker trolleys has its bundle starter package available for 399 which includes the cape 1.5 a sand and water bottle holder and an umbrella holder. So go to walkertrolleys.com today if you want to walk the course in style and bring your game to a new level this summer. Without any further delay, here is Martin Ebert. All right, Martin, the Open Championship was last held at Royal Liverpool in 2014. You've been in charge of making some updates to Royal Liverpool along the way. We're going to talk about a lot of those. But I first question is, what exactly have you done to make sure that Roy McIlroy will win again? Because a lot of us are counting on that. God, well... Wouldn't it be great if he won? That would be tremendous. I would I would love it. Nothing more than I would like than Rory to win. I don't know. He's going to recognize quite a few of the things that uh, he, he saw in 2014 and, and was victorious over. But there will be some new new parts to uh, the challenge, there's no doubt. Um, I think probably my dream with Ricky's um, latest resurgence is, is a Rory-Ricky showdown. Wouldn't that be amazing for golf? Um, and it actually takes me back to... I was lucky to referee. That was my first refereeing experience at the Open was at Royal St. George's. And I was the um, the observer for Ernie, Rory and Ricky um, in the, on, the, uh, on the Thursday, I think it was. So that was really special to see the two of those guys with Ernie as well. Um, so that would be brilliant if that could happen. I, there's a lot of fun stuff to talk about with some some changes that you've helped oversee there at Royal Liverpool. Some new holes, some new routing. It's I'm a little confused to be honest, just looking at the plans you set up oh to me. But so it's really I. interesting. <laughs> it's really interesting. But for the listeners' sake, can you give us a, a, you know a bit of an idea of kind of your history with the Open Championship and other projects you've worked on? And um, I, I guess I see a lot of similarities with what you've done here, also with what you did at, at Royal Portrush, kind of changing it, adding in two new holes, and and and. It, it, you know, these are ancient, ancient golf courses we're talking about, but uh, the ch many changes have been made to them over time, and you've been in charge of implementing a lot of those. I'm wondering if you could kind of give us a rundown. Yeah, no, we've, we've been very fortunate, I must say. Um, we now advise eight of the 10 open venues, um, so that's, you know, it's quite a responsibility. It's great fun. Um, it's great to work, you know, when you think that some of these adjustments will be, you know, on show with the world's greatest players and, the, and one of the, well, I think the best best event in the world. So, um, so there's, yeah, there's a lot that um, goes with that. Yeah, so we've been advising at Royal Port Rush, as you say, so two new holes there and, and quite a few other changes as well to make it ready for the Open in 19. Royal Lytham, uh, Royal Troon for next year. I mean, there'll, be, there'll be a few changes there. I never thought when I started out in, in well, playing golf that that would ever be a possibility, uh, let alone starting out in the business. And it does, as I say, it comes with a lot of responsibility. Um, and I think, you know, really, I, I guess we we like to try to understand as much of the history of, of these courses because it's not changing it for the sake of change or for the open. Um, it really needs to be in the best interest of the golf courses themselves. Um, and hopefully we've achieved that with the various changes that we've made to um, to a lot of the great courses. 
Do you feel a little bit more em- empowered, I guess, to make some changes or to make suggestions for changes uh, either to the RNA or to these clubs with the with some of the success you've had? And for, again, for the listeners' sake, if you, uh, I've had a chance to see Royal Port Rush with with and without the two holes that you added in there, and the flow there is remarkable. I mean, it's it's that changes again. It's not the ancient golf course that that people have known, but uh, it was greatly improved for the Open Championship. Do you feel a little bit more empowered with some of the successes you? I had? think so. I think you know once you, as you say, once you. Uh, you're under undertaking some fairly big projects and Port Rush was you know, nothing big, bigger, really. It had to happen to allow the Open to come back. The RNA were very clear about that. And to be honest, you know, a lot of people had said that Port Rush was, you know, the greatest 16-hole course in the world. You know, the, the 17th and 18th were never considered great holes. When we dug into the history, we discovered that, in actual fact, Harry Colt, when he redesigned the course, the clubhouse was up in the town. The 18th was his second hole. Uh, the 17th was his was his 17th, and there were two holes on what was called the triangle. Um, so it was really interesting that it had changed already in time for the Open, you know, back in the early 50s. So, um, so we it was great for us to be able to say that to the members. Look, this is not the first time that you've you've had to change the course. Um, the land that we had to play with there was outstanding. I mean, the, it was part of the Valley Course, two of the holes, um, but we did have to do a fair bit of work to to turn out two two um, holes that would fit into the layout as seamlessly as possible. And it seemed, you know, we were so lucky, really. It, it, the land is is great. And so I think people have received the holes, you know, pretty well. Um, we'll see it again in 2025 for the Open. But um, but no, it's uh, it, it was a great, it was a dream to work at Portrush. Turnbury is the other one. We've done a lot of work at Turnbury, you know, maybe five new holes, you could, you could say. Um, you know whether and when the open will go back is another question, but um, but it's still an open venue and it's a it's a jewel. It's an absolute majestic setting, as I'm sure you know. So when people tune into the Open Championship this week, they've they've seen this course in 2006. They've seen it in 2014. What what what's going to be different about it this go around? Well, there's one major change, Sully, and that is the you know what is the new 17th in the Open numbering. Um, it played as the as the fifteenth in the last open, um, but that hole's been reversed. That's the biggest change that people will will notice, and it is a big change. And it wasn't our con- concept. It wasn't uh, you know our, uh, our our thought to begin with. It was the club and the RNA coming coming to us and saying, um, look, you know, we'd like to, um, to to reverse this hole. What do you think about the idea? So, as the club's advisors, it was great to you know to have have that thought put into our heads. Obviously, it needs to be a great hole for the for the members and the club because they play it, you know, ninety nine point nine percent of the time. Um, but it also, I guess, there was that feeling that it could really provide some dr- you know, dramatic moments come the uh, the penultimate hole of the Open. It's you know, just to describe the scene, um, we've created a really short par three again. That was part of the brief, less than one hundred and forty yards. It'd be one hundred and thirty five yards ish um, when it plays, and I'm sure it'll be played shorter than that during the week as well. And of course, you know, maybe most people think, well, that would be nothing for these guys. But I guess the the, uh, the treacherous conditions around the green, or the the the, the evil bunkers, um, the steep surrounds, you know, that's going to really ensure. I think that that it will test them. If the wind blows, then it really will be, you know, quite something to see how how the players handle it. But hitting the green, that'd be great, obviously. But if if anyone misses the green and I'm sure even at 135 yards, somebody will miss the green. That's where the fun will start. So I guess when you're coming down the stretch or these great players are coming down the stretch, you know, the nerves, you know, will be potentially biting. Um, so when you've got to hit a fairly, well, a very small target, otherwise you know that there could be a, a four or even worse, um, you know, following. Uh, yeah, I think that will really grab the attention. Grab the attention of the players. I think it will grab the attention of the spectators um, and the TV viewers as well. Um, it's going to be a great scene, actually. The RNA, I think they've got a tethered drone, which they've um, they've got behind the green, so that'll just you know, reveal everything as it as it happens. And I'm sure the grandstand, which will horseshoe around the tee, there'll be a, a great camera position there, looking out uh, over the green. And the, the D estuary la- lies um, you know on the other side of the green, um, and Wales in the background. So it really is is quite a spectacle as well. 
I have had the great fortune of visiting Liverpool, Royal Liverpool, two times, I believe, and my mind's already in a pretzel from playing the course and then watching the Open because the whole numbers changed. <laughs> and I'm a little bit envious of the people that will watch the Open and, and only know the routing for the Open routing, and then you mix in some of the changes that you've, you're we're going to talk about here. We were just talking about it becomes even a little bit more confusing. But as I understand it, so then then what is now the 17th hole is playing out towards that estuary, as you mentioned. There's going to be views in the background. It's a hole that goes out towards the water that once played away and was once a different whole number, right? Am I, am I just kind of, I'm tr- trying to set the scene for, for folks now so that, and kind of what, what triggers, uh, you know, the numbers of the holes being a little bit off and people may find this interesting or may not, but the, the first hole it actually plays as the third hole. So the first two holes that they play at Royal Liverpool are what they are, what were the club's 17th and 18th holes, and are now the club's 16th and 18th holes? No, they, 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 right? the club played them at 17 <laughs> and 18. No, it is confusing. The, the club played them at 17 and 18. In the Open, there'll be one and two, and then the Open finishes with the club's 16th. And there's actually an interesting interesting fact here, Sully, in terms of the RNA's major championships this year. Um, the Open plays at Hoylake, and as you've just described, it doesn't start with the first hole. The Senior Open is played at Royal Porthcawl, um, and that starts with the 18th hole. Um, of the club course and the women's open play is played at Walton Heath and they're not playing the first hole at all <laughs> they start on the second so we're not sure that's ever happened before it's a good friend of mine Richard Fisher who came up with that fact and uh, it's quite an observation um, but no it does confuse people there's a there's probably a move at the club um, you know certainly a faction of the members would would love to um, play the open routing but there's an equally you know there's a faction that would love to keep it as it is the tradition of, of Hoylake, I mean, going back to John Ball Jr. is, is incredible. Um, the, that first hole, the club first hole that plays around the race course or the old race course um, with the out of bounds on the right hand side. You know, it's a fearsome first hole in terms of, you know, just that element of nerves. It'd be so easy to, to knock it out of bounds. Um, so you can understand both, both sort of thoughts of should it be the first, should it be the third. But I guess when the Open's played there and everyone gets to understand the whole numbers, then um, it would certainly ease ease the likes of our uh, troubles when we're trying to imagine which holes which. Does the data from the 2014 Open help you? Like, do you have a you know access to an, to enough data from that time period? And and how do you account for distance increases that have happened? You know, in the last nine years in golf, right? The bunker placements and all that. How does that work in your process? Yeah, well, it's interesting. We don't have um, you know the 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 shot the shot um, oh, who who does the shot link is the PGA tour. shot link. That's it. Yeah, shot yeah. link. Yeah, and we've used that you know with some of our projects over you know over over your side of the, the world. Um, it's been really useful, but but we haven't had access to that. So you know we're judging it with you know the RNA guys are extremely knowledgeable, obviously in terms of of hitting distances and uh, and and how holes play. I guess one of the anecdotal pieces of information was Rory hitting that drive, and I think it was a five iron into the par five last hole on the Saturday. Now one of the other uh, things that people will hopefully they'll realize and i'm sure it'll be made some you know there'll be some news about it is that the rerouting of of the open 17th allows the 18th to be extended by 50 to 60 yards over the over what it was in 2014 um so i think that will you know certainly put a lot of steel into that hole the cop the out of bounds um ridge which runs along the right hand side of the hole that's been brought in tighter to the playing line as well um so the players are really going to find 18 is a is a totally different um, you know ball game, and um, they're going to have to hit two amazing shots to reach the green. And I don't think it'll be a drive and a five iron, but they'll also have to make those decisions on the tee. You know, are they going to play it as a or try and play it as a two shotter if the weather conditions allow? Um, you know, it's going to be a brave a brave guy that takes the driver there, I think, and uh, and really nails it. You know, with the out of bounds on the right and two bunkers on the left. So, with both of those holes as finishing holes, it, it really will. You know, even someone with a four or five shot lead, uh, yeah, they a two shot, three shot swing is is quite feasible on seventeen, and and the same on eighteen. So, um, I guess that's you know the modern world. It's nice to have that drama and uncertainty at the end of things. Carnoustie always provides it with the. Uh, uh, with the burn, and I think I think these two holes have the potential to do that. Whether it'll happen, let's see. But uh, but certainly, it'd be great fun. You know, I think no one will switch the television off. You know, if someone's got a four or five shot lead, there still could be some uh, some changes. 
I hope we get some wind, man. I really do. I mean, just looking at, you know, just looking at the, the new 17th hole and just seeing exactly how that sits. I'm like, that would be great if that, the wind was coming off that estuary and yeah, you know, that tee shot becomes a, can you control your distance into that wind? And a bunch of those par fives as well are going to play a lot, uh, very interesting. Let's I mean, say for another, people that, another factor actually slightly on that, there's another factor on, on the wind subject, the way the RNA have got it set up, there's a horseshoe grandstand around the tee. Um, so the, the the golfers will be coming through a tunnel leads them into that sort of arena. I mean, it'd be a great um, yeah, the, the atmosphere there will be unbelievable. I think um, so. They're coming through there, but that grandstand, that horseshoe grandstand, really will hide the winds. Um, yeah, they won't be able to feel the true wind there. There's a big grandstand which has been erected down the right hand side of the hole. So again, that could influence you know the the flag. In terms of how that's um, you know affected by the wind, so it's going to be quite quite tough for them to judge you know just what the wind is doing, assuming that we do, we do get some of a, a reasonable strength. Um, so another I'm, factor in the hole. If I'm looking at the uh, what you provided me in terms of the, the drawings here, do I understand it right that the, again this is the 17th short hole, 135 yard par three that plays out toward the estuary? Do I understand that the players will have to walk back the distance of the hole around towards the perimeter of the property to get to the 18th tee? There is a walk. It's not a massive walk to the back tee because we've obviously taken the opportunity to take that tee back from where it was in 14. So it's not a huge walk to the back tee. Um, it is to the main tee, so that's one sort of slight negative for the members in terms of, you know, they do have to walk, a, you know, a, the length of the hole. Um, it's probably about, I'd say it's probably 100 yards, something like that. So so nothing really, you know, when, it, when you compare um, with some some walks in various, um, you know, various courses that you come across. But uh, um, so it's, it's not too bad. But it, it, at the same time, that will provide a bit of drama as well. You're going to have the golfers walking up to 17, while some, you know, walking back to that 18th tee. So you've almost got that, uh, that little meeting of two groups, potentially. So that's another another thing to watch out for at the Open. That's really interesting. I mean, I'm looking at, at, at the draw here, and it's uh, that's, uh, that 17th tee and 18th tee, as it stands here, look to be pretty darn close to each other. Yeah. They have to wait yeah. for each other probably to go. And if somebody's exactly. making a charge or if it gets down to those final groups, that's a, that's a really interesting little wrinkle. But... For, for people that maybe are not as familiar with Royal Liverpool, say you're a newer newer golf fan or you know maybe don't have a, fo- a photo memory of Rory's win in 2014, what makes this course special? What makes it worthy of hosting an Open Championship? Um, I, I really greatly enjoy this course. Maybe that's been greatly aided by the two incredible champions we've seen here in the recent Opens. Yeah, but seeing it up close, I, it's up there for me. Um, it's it's I wouldn't consider it to be the most spectacular Open venue, yet it seems extremely worthy of hosting it in my mind. Uh, would you agree with that and, and, and why? would that be absolutely yeah i think the heritage is is a really important factor you know and it, it has a tremendous heritage say john ball jr being the you know the first englishman to win the open you know that was his that was his home course so that's that, always with that background i think that really helps but then you know i think that coastal stretch you know they it's yeah you're right it's not regarded as the most sort of stunning as an 18 holes but when you get up onto some of that that coastal ground and the alps in particular and now the 17th um, there's a really beautiful coastal holes, you know, along the along the shoreline. I think the internal out of bounds. I mean, that's an interesting feature. Not everybody's cup of tea. Um, you know, we again we we discovered that at Portrush with um, with the the OB, you know, left and right of one, um, providing some some room for criticism from some observers. Um, but I think it does. It makes the third hole. It makes the the, the finishing hole. Um, and there's historic evidence. Yeah, there's a historic reason for that being out of bounds. So. Um, bunkering, I think, is really, really tough. Um, Tiger, you know, he took that that um, um, decision to, was it just one driver in 2006, I think? And he described it as his best ever ball striking week, I think, um, which says something for Tiger, doesn't it? So, you know, he took the course on in that manner and, and just decided, right, I'm just going to control the flight of the ball and, and not risk the bunkers. Um, but he had the talent to be able to, you know, to make that uh, that work for him. Not everybody could. Not no one else. I don't think could be hitting those shots in at that length into into some of those greens. Uh, you know, given the firmness that the, the course was, um, you know, was was playing um, with that week. So, so I think it's a, you know, as you say, it's produced great champions. You know, De Fizenzo was, I think, you know, the top of his game when he won. Um, Walter Hagen back in '24. You know, so it's had some great, great champions played who've uh, prevailed over the links. Um, so yeah, I think it's a really great, you know, solid test of golf. Hopefully, the um, you know the adjustments that we've made will will just uh, provide the right level of challenge, I guess, rather than uh, uh, making it too too tough. 
and look again and looking at the pictures that you you sent over immediately I, I see pictures of say the you know the 14th hole and I think I think I'm looking at the tee shot on this hole and I say man that does not look like just grab your driver and pound it right and I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about philosophy I I, I enjoy tee, watching tee shots in links golf I find it extremely I find it exhilarating I mean it, it, it invokes it can invoke some different kind of strategies it can invoke a move where hey hitting a five iron off the tee on a downwind par four might be the play today instead of hitting driver and wedge there's elements to hey I got to make sure this ball stops off the tee which is not something we see a lot in the states kind of how do you describe the philosophy of how you are challenging the world's best players off the tee on a link style golf course yeah well I think certainly what we really want it's great when we see people doing lots of different things uh you know in the same conditions in the same group um i mean i was i was only at Royal Porth call for final qualifying um a couple of days ago um and it was really again really fascinating to see just how how these guys took the took the course on and you know some of the shorter holes um you know there was a mixture of you know irons being played rescues three woods and then some guys just took the driver and and just tried to get as close to the green as possible, maybe even, you know, reach the green on a couple of the holes. Um, so a hole like 14, it won't be interesting to see, you know, whether someone like, I guess, the, you know, the recent amateur champion, Lamprecht, whether he he seems to have the approach of taking the driver whenever he can, and he's got the, you know, the certainly the levers to, to hit it monstrous distances. So it would be great to see someone take the course on, but also someone to plot their way around. So... I guess it just gets a bit dull when everyone does the same thing. So, um, so I think that's what we try to do. I mean, Turnbury, we did that with the tenth hole for the 2009 Open. The tee went down onto the coastline, and we made a really wide fairway, but put a couple of central bunkers, um, you know, on the hole. And we did get we had shot link for that actually after the Open, and it was really fascinating to see, you know, that there was a real split of the field, maybe a, a third laid up, and and most of them got pars, and there were some birdies in there. And then two thirds of the field took the hole on. Half of those guys sort of missed it right, and there were quite a few bogeys because you know coming into that green wasn't a, wasn't good from there. Um, but the guys that took it on were brave and executed well. You know they were certainly rewarded with a lot of birdies. So so that's what we would love is is people to do different things on different holes. So but it will be interesting. You know this time is there a sense that. That, yeah, the golfers have become more aggressive in their, you know, in their strategy. Um, yeah, I think there could be an argument for that. Last time when the Open was there, um, I remember speaking with one of the marshals on on that Open third, the club first, with the, the out of bounds, you know, such a feature down the right side. And I said, "Oh, has any has anyone hit the driver and, and tried to carry the corner?" And uh, he came up with two names. He said, "Yeah, only two people." Um, Darren Clark and Tom Watson, which was incredible. I mean, these two are the older guys and they just took the whole on. Um, so I'm really interested to know, you know, this time whether uh, whether people will be slightly less circumspect and, and yeah, just take that take that driver and see just how uh, how close they can get. You know, I think from what I hear, the you know, the the weather, the rough was looking was looking good and 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 you know thickening up nicely because we had some you know, reasonable weather for that earlier on. But I think it is the, the recent, you know, drier conditions has led the rough to sort of thin out a bit. I think it's still there to a certain extent, but so it'd be interesting you know, that that could be a factor in terms of how people play their course. Is it fair to say that if you get a little bit thinner rough, that that is going to mean that you're going to get the fast and firm fairways and greens that are going to, you know, provide some interesting elements of, for me, I personally love, you know, if you guys are hitting shots out of the rough, even if it's wispy, you're not be able to generate a lot of spin. It, it leads to a level of artistry of avoiding bunkers, finding the right contours, and getting your ball to go the right distance. That's golf to me, and we don't see it enough. No, no, exactly. Yeah, when you've got to, you know, just judge judge where you're landing it and uh, and allow for the run. You know, isn't that the best form of the game? It really is. I mean, our email address is pitch and run eighteen um, for one good reason. You know that we 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 really believe in that you know, being able to land it short and short and and play different shots around the greens as well. So. The good thing about Hoy Lake, James Bledge is the course manager and he's he's doing a great job. Um, he's only been in the position for a year or two, but um, but you know his predecessor did a great job as well. And you know they they've created conditions which will allow those greens to be to be dried out and to be get, become as firm as as they dare, I guess. So, but obviously it's always dependent on the weather conditions over here. If we get um, downpours, then then they can't won't be able to deliver quite uh, the test that they would hope to. Uh, but fingers crossed. 
This episode of the No Laying Up podcast is brought to you by the No Laying Up Pro Shop. That's right. The merch czar is buying up ad inventory to put word out that the strap collection has been refreshed. I'm guessing he's hoping this adds to the strap budget. They're already bad faith actors. We know that. But in the shop, we have commemorative t-shirts, posters, and stickers for each strap season, as well as select items that the strap boys wore on season 11, which are some of our favorite items in the shop. You can go to store.nolayingup.com to shop the strap collection and look out for new head covers, hats and new Holderness and Born summer collection coming next week. We ship worldwide, offer free shipping for U.S. orders over $100. And if you're a Nest member, you get 15% off all purchases. Uh, if you have any interest, any issues or are interested in a large bulk order for a team or organization, you can always reach out at ProShop at NoLayingUp.com where Casey or the Czar uh, will be quick to help. So visit store.nolayingup.com to update your scripting for the 2023 golf season. Uh, we work hard to source high-quality and stylish apparel, and we appreciate the support of the Pro Shop and our content. Again, it's store.nolayingup.com. Get involved. Back to Martin Ebert. Getting into some of the specific changes, I'm looking at the uh, the, the fourth hole right now, which is the club's second hole. Um, and I usually when we see renovations and, and restorations and things of that ilk, we we're talking about expanding greens. But from what it looks like, we're shrinking this green. Uh, for uh, Is that specific for this open? And, and what's the reasoning kind of behind that? Yeah, it was a... It, it, Obviously, the club have to be on board with any of these changes, as I say. So, um, yeah, four, uh, four, which is the club second. You know, it's a short four. Again, we may see some some guys, I'm sure we will, having a, having a go at getting as close as they can to that green. Um, so there was a feeling that, that for the Open, that it, it should demand a slightly, you know, tougher approach shot that um, to give, you know, the, the RNA guys who are doing the course set up the opportunity to set those flags a little bit closer to the edges of the greens. You know, the shapes of the green just meant that they had to you know, keep the flag a little bit further into the middle. Um, so they'll have the opportunity now to set it really tight behind the um, the bunkers on the right-hand side. The green's been raised up a, a little bit, um, but at the same time as making the green slightly smaller and, and a little bit more testing for approach shots, we've leveled out the approach a little bit because um, members who would land the ball short on, on such a hole, you know, were that was complicating their lives. So... Um, while making the green a bit tougher, the whole aim of the game was to make the you know the approach shots for members a little bit easier. Knowing that the open competitors will be landing the ball on the green, you know, pretty much uh, unless there's you know it's it's, it's a gale downwind, um, in which case um, you know even they might have to land it slightly short. But uh, so no, it's a it's a subtle change. I don't think people that that will have you know known known Hoylake before will go there and say oh you know what's happened here. You know, there's a complete transformation. So. So it's a, more of a subtle change there, I think, Sully, than a, than a major one. But what I find interesting is I, I feel like there's a, um, a common misconception in golf when people talk about either if it's, you're talking about the distance debate, if you're talking about scoring, if you're talking about conditions, if you're talking about setup, all these things that you can make the, the, the Open Championship, the USGA, the Masters, they can make the scores as high as they want. You can put the pins in absolute corners of every green. You can make it hard for the sake of being hard. And you can have the scores rise if that's what you want, right? And I think that there's a different aspect of this championship, which I greatly appreciate, that isn't necessarily about we want we, we play to any kind of level of score or that we want this hole to not be picked apart. There seems to be opportunities for scoring. There's opportunities to make a mess of it. But I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about one, if you agree with any of that assessment, but two, just how how you're trying to how you can challenge the best players in the world without it being extremely difficult in relation to par. Yeah. No, it's an interesting comment. And maybe I will just um, make my observation on on that. Yeah, I think these they are so good now um, that it really is quite tough to almost produce a course that is is going to definitely produce high scores. I mean, I know St. Andrews is a, is a totally different animal and it played so firm and fast and short because of the firm conditions. But, you know, those green, those flags were being tucked away, you know, in really, really... You know, as tight as they could be in many cases, and still they managed to prize their way into into some of those flags. So, so it is tough. I think it's tougher with our links than than it probably is in America. Um, you know, where I guess you can always resort to the really, really, really thick rough. Here we're very much more at the mercy of nature, as I say. So, um, so I think that is a little bit of a difference. But no, you're right. I think the attitude, certainly for you know the RNA who run the Open, and I, I don't speak for them by any means, but. You know, I think it very much is if if the guys are playing well, then we're more than happy to see see good scores and low scores. 
Um, no problem with that. You know, they they really want, I suppose, the cream to come to the top, the best player for that week to um, to be the champion golfer of the year, obviously. So, so I don't think there's any concern about um, low scores. But um, at the same time, you want, I guess, you want that exhibition of skill to be at such a level that that everyone is wowed by just how good they are. And we are, aren't we? I mean, they are just incredible. Um, just you know, when they're on form. And that's the amazing thing. I guess there's so many now that, that are on form in a particular week that it takes that spectacular performance, um, you know, to 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 come to the come to the top. And that's how I guess Rory's just been pipped at the last um, you know two or three majors. So you know, someone else has just had that amazing week. Um, but uh, fingers crossed, as I say, this week. Well, it's it's just interesting. I mean, I felt like the PGA Championship at Oak Hill, they put the pins in as much big a corners as they could have. They stretched that golf course out, and it was narrow fairways and thick rough, and Kepka shot nine under par, whatever. Like it, it's still, even with this like these limits, I mean, and people kind of freaked out over the the crazy low scoring at the at LACC in round one. There's there's no golf course in the world where if the wind doesn't blow now that these guys won't pick it apart and somebody doesn't shoot 63, 62. I mean, I don't I don't know if there's a single one. So, um, it, and it would be a shame as well, Sully, wouldn't it? You know, to have to grow the rough and make the fairways you know so high and make the fairways as narrow as possible. I mean, that would take all of the interest in the game out. I think so. Um, so yeah, let's let's embrace it and yeah, n- nice to protect the holes. And I suppose when it comes to you know the par fives as we've done at Hoy Lake with the 18th. Yeah, this really will demand, you know, two spectacular shots to reach the green in two. Whereas if it had stayed as it was, you know, it would be, if Roy was a driver and a five iron last time, then could it be a driver and a six, driver and a seven you know, this time? So um, so I think it's, it's, it's only right to look at some of these holes and see how they can be, you know, adjusted without, um, you know, without really spoiling the, the, the whole test and the exam paper. So uh, hopefully we've got that balance right at Hoy Lake this year. If I'm looking again at some of your changes here, it looks like the seventh green has moved uh, a fair amount to the left. And I, I think I know the answer to why that is, but can you explain uh, as, as to why that is? Yeah, there was, um, you know, with seven, it was it was a well-respected green, really sort of low level. Um, so there was no real need to change the seventh for the seventh, but, you know, it just allowed more room between seven and eight. And, you know, it, I think overall it, it helped. So really we were just trying to replicate that green, but just slightly further left. So I guess it, you know, it does come down to, you know, that it was the, the needs of the open for that, which some people would, would criticize. But again, the judgment, I guess, was taken that if it didn't spoil the hole, didn't spoil the golf course, then, you know, it was something that, that made sense to do. Um, but there's no, yeah, no intention to change really the fundamental character of the hole because um, it's, you know, it is, as I say, it's rather than the green being perched up and whatever, it's 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 very much low level, ground level um, in terms of its green character. Um, so, yeah. I, I, I think I was misinterpreting then. I thought it was maybe for a new back tee on eight. Uh, I thought we were moving greens for well, new eight, back eight, did, eight, eight was an opportunity to lengthen as well. Okay. <laughs> right, so, yeah, no, that, was, that went back to as well. I was going to say, if that's where we're at in the uh, in the distance discussion now, that we're moving greens to accommodate tee boxes, I was like, ah, okay, we might be a little... <laughs> well, I know. What, what is, I guess, your perspective on, uh, on the distance issue in golf as somebody that's trying to set up uh, these challenges for players and, uh, and, you know, you work as closely as you do with the RNA? What, uh, I'm just curious what, what your perspective is on, on, how you, uh, on how things have unfolded and what may happen in the future. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's two sides to it in a way. Without the ball going much further you know, would probably be almost regarded as too difficult. Um, you know, the ninth now um, plays across the bay, as you probably know. It's a now par three of 245 yards, I think. It takes a carry of at least 200 to to reach dry land on the other side. Um, you know, you'd be a little bit more concerned, you know, if 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 the ball wasn't going at the distance that it is, that it, it's, it's an unfair test at that length. Um, and and the uh, the tenth hole that follows, you know, the carry from the back tee there is really really significant. So, in some ways, it sort of opened up the door for that. But you know, on on the whole, you know, I have to agree with the, you know, the majority of commentators that it's making life extremely difficult for these these golf courses, you know, which have great heritage, great holes, and all of a sudden you know, they're becoming drive and and flicks into into greens when they used to be drives and and five irons or something. So. Um, yeah, I think it's definitely the right way to go to um, you know to put the brakes on and, and to and to reduce the, the distance that it goes. I, I would love to know just what 
impact that would have on on ordinary golfers you know whether the model local rule that um you know is is likely to be applied for for major events you know what would that do to you know to our tee shots you know would it be um acceptable i know there was this big concern about um um, you know, we mustn't make the game diff- more difficult for for club golfers and members, um, and you know that's un- that's understood. But if it would only make five yards difference, you know, would would that really, you know, is that a price worth paying that we all still play you know the same ball for 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 events? And I guess my one question is, how do these young guys who are coming up through the ranks and they're they're playing with the ball that everyone else plays all of a sudden, you know, does that switch over? Um, you know just how complicated that will be to uh, to reacclimatize to to a, a ball that goes um, you know substantially less, I guess. So um, so let's see how that shakes out. But certainly, you know, if it means that we're not having to keep pushing our bunkers on and taking our tees back, then that's got to be that's got to be a good thing um, because you know you don't want the the round to take longer. You don't want more land to be used. You don't want more irrigation. Um, more drainage, more maintenance of tees going further and further back. So, um, so yeah, let's uh, let's hope it is a line drawn in the sand. But you know, you look through history, and we've got evidence of of people drawing cartoons, you know, showing uh, par threes of one mile, three hundred and sixty five yards, and that was back in nineteen nineteen twelve, I think. So, um, so it just shows, you know, it's been an issue from since the game started. Well, I found it interesting to ask you in particular because if you listen to Mike Wan, and, and I, I don't remember if Martin Slumber said this directly as well, but if you listen to them, this proposed model local rule, Mike Wan would state as clear as possible. is like, this is going into effect for USGA and RNA events. Like, it's going to be in effect for our events. We're the ones proposing it. You can bet as of 2026, this is going into play, uh, assuming this, you know, if, even if none of the other tours or majors adopt it, this is happening. And then so we, if that's the case and we have – what, 23, 24, 25, three, mate, three open championships left before uh, something is, is done with the golf ball. And I just, I, I, I would guess you're probably not that far ahead in terms of thinking about uh, 2026, 27, 28 major championship or uh, venues. Because as far as I know, those are not even announced. I'm sure you may have a little bit more inkling as to what we do is where they might go. Yeah, no, not announced, but certainly, you know, there's, there's projects on, on courses that are likely to host the open beyond 25 and, uh, um, you yeah, know, and certainly, you know, that's something that'll have to be borne in mind. Just um, you know, where where do the bunkers go? Because you know, you do want to, you don't want to take the driver out of these guys' hands, but at the same time, you don't want them to be thinking, right? I can carry everything. I can carry all the bunkers. You know, no problem. That's the, the the last thing that we want to happen. So you know, this this year, there's been a couple of bunkers put in at um, at Royal Liverpool on on one and, and sixteen, and they'll be in at three hundred and twenty yards from the tee. So. Um, you know, that's is just to make sure that the guys that really can carry it, um, you know, that would be an extraordinary shot. And I guess with a bit of helping wind. Um, so, you know, it just shows the sort of distance. You know, I remember coming into the game and sort of we were putting bunkers in at 250, 260, thinking that they were, they were you know, in the minds of the better players. But that's um, certainly gone further and further out as time has gone on, no doubt. Mm. Back to Liverpool. Uh, it's so the the 13th hole, feature par three. Tell us about what you did there because the, the images look fantastic. And if you're watching on YouTube, hopefully you can see these right now as well. But uh, tell us about this hole. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the first thing to say, I suppose, is that, um, yeah, there's a lot of the, what, how should I describe them as sand areas, um, ecologically sensitive areas. Um, and that, we, we put some in at 17, actually, and, and people were saying, oh, why, why have they done that? You know, it's so different to anything else on the links. But we've tried to explain that it was part of a long-term plan that the club had um, with the ecologist, Bob Taylor, who was advising them um, to, to open up more sand throughout that coastal strip of the golf course. Our links, as you probably know, were a lot sandier in the old days. You could see the, the old photographs, so much more exposed sand. And in addition... From an ecological perspective, it's so much more valuable to have that sort of landscape to sort of turn the clock back, as it were. Much better home for for the reptiles, for the birds, the bees, the the, the flora as well. You get different species. Um, so that's all been part of of the scheme. And that for thirteen for the Alps, you know, it's certainly some of the drone shots, you know, that you were referring to there. You know, it really does lift lift the whole scene. I think, and they'll they'll colonize naturally, so they'll they'll look more and more natural as time goes on. Then up at the green, it was sort of very sort of heavy, rough and uh, gnarly ground to the left-hand side of the green. And it was felt better to, to have a, a, a tightly mown runoff to the left. So, 
So that will, you know, that's certainly going to claim a few victims, I think, you know, for the open. And, and rather than the ball getting held up in the heavy rough close to the green, it will run away quite a lot to the left. Um, and at the same time, there was some very narrow, tight swells to the right-hand side of the green, and, and they've been widened out. You know, I think they've just, uh, my minor adjustments on the right-hand side, but um, but once again, you know, it won't be just enough to, uh, you know, the, the, the recoveries will be fine from, from right-hand side, but uh, still complicated compared to, um, you know, just having a, a, a kick off the bank or um, whatever. So, so it's minor changes, and again, it's such a great hole, such a great history. Um, you know, one of the most notable par threes on the open rotor, I think, and certainly at Hoy Lake. So, you know, we hope that I guess seventeen being that much shorter will be the you know regarded as the the little brother to the Alps, I suppose, come the uh, come the end of the tournament. How much do you think about uh, prevailing wind direction? Is that a thing, that, a constant theme that you can ha- set an expectation in this part of the world for summer to say like, hey, it's probably going to blow in this direction, or you know, you've worked a lot of different. Vid- I'm wondering how you approach that at the different places you've 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 worked and how that can vary from location location. Well, and I remember it was Derek Green. He was the old course manager when the Open was was going back to to Hoy Lake in 2006, and he said we never get the prevailing wind anymore. That was his description. So, so it seemed as though it was very difficult to predict just what the wind wind does these days. But certainly, you'll be bearing it in mind, um, you know, for for uh, you know for any um, any changes that that are made and and be faced. So, on on the the new 17th, that'll be coming sort of against the player and from the left slightly. So. Um, so again, that if that does blow in that direction, it would be great. But yeah, wouldn't it be great to have um, different wind each four days, which I guess is a bit much to expect. But uh, so yeah, I think when it comes to bunkering, our, we do have a philosophy where we we bunker for still or downwind conditions. We almost ignore prevailing wind conditions because if a hole's playing into a really strong wind or even a even a, a gentle breeze, it's tough enough. You don't really need the bunkers in that situation. Those maybe rare times when the wind blows in completely the opposite direction to to the prevailing wind you know that's when you do need those bunkers just to ask the right questions so so we do bear it in mind you know very much so but you know in in general when we're trying to set up the holes we're thinking how are they going to play when it's very still um, or even downwind so again I, i'm going to i'm going to See if I have any of this part right for for after we you know, we leave the uh, we leave the thirteenth hole. You play the fourteenth hole, one of the feature holes as well. Dog leg left, uh, par four uh, that it kind of heads back out to the estuary. And previously, twenty fourteen from fourteen, you would roll into the fifteenth hole, which was the short par three. They yep. played away from the estuary. That hole is now the seventeenth, playing the opposite direction. Do I have that right? You're that's nodding. Right. Thank yeah. you. Okay, that's good. So now when you leave fourteen. You will roll into what was the 16th hole and is now the 15th hole. Do I have that right? Par five? You've got that right. Yep. Absolutely. All right. You are. Right, we're getting there. Yep. So if you go back and watch highlights of, of you know, some of the, I think Roy Eagled 16 as well on, uh, on that Saturday, that will now be the 15th hole and that hole has changed some as well, right? It has. Yeah. Again, it's another byproduct of 17, you know, coming in the direction that it does that, um, it allowed 15 to T to be taken back onto almost one of the old um, par three tees when the whole when the par three was playing in the other way. So, so that again, it's another um, benefit I think for for back tee golf is that that tee's gone back, you know, and, and it's produced another hole over 600 yards. You know, both of the par fives on the back nine, um, you know, 15 and 18 you know, have been strengthened considerably as a result of, um, you know, what's been possible with the with the reversal of the bar three. So so I think it, you know, it's a lovely shape of hole, the, the 15th. Um, as, as you know, you know up, up at the green, it, you know, just the fairway snakes, snakes are, you know, through towards the green. And once again, with the distance that the guys are hitting it, then, you know, just that addition of 40, 50 yards is going to make it, you know, make a real bearing on just how the hole plays. Um, yes, they'll still be getting up in two and they'll still be getting plenty of eagles and birdies. But I guess the, the really good thing when par fives produce some higher scores and some, you, know, you, you want them to be taking it on and then, you know, falling foul of something or other. 18 is very obvious. The cop, you know, the out of bounds will most certainly be the, the danger feature. Um, 15 will probably play, I'd imagine, a bit easier because there isn't that, um, that threat on the whole. Uh, but the added length will certainly, uh, you know, mean... Yeah, it's two very good shots and um and and you know even three shots you're gonna to have to plot your way down a little bit more than you did before um so yeah good i think the finish is 
you know, what it's done to the finish, this whole sort of scheme, you know, really will make sure that uh, a lot can happen on those last last four holes. And 14's a great hole, as you say, 13's the Alps. So when you're asking about how good is Hoylake, I mean, you just think it's of that good. finish. And you it's think awesome. of it all the way through, you know, that back nine is one of the best, it really is. Yeah, it's great. I mean, it, yeah. And again, I think I can unpretzel my mind by just saying you skip the 15th hole, the par three, and play it as 17 instead, right? And it just bumps 15 and 16 up, which was 16 and 17, and then yeah. new T on 18. I think I got it. So if uh, the images help help you get through it. But, yeah, that is a, that is a phenomenal stretch. Like you just said, the long par three, 13th. And then the fantastic 14th. Now the 15th is a par five, which a lot of a lot of fans like watching. That 16 will be a, a you know a, a testing par four. Then the short three, finishing five. That's yeah, that's fantastic. So, yeah, tell us a little bit about more about you. You spoke a little bit about the 18th hole um, on this. You know this feature of the OB down the right side. I, I and if I look at the images right, it looks like all right. If I want to have an angle up the chute to this 18th hole, I got to kind of take on out of bounds, which is a, a very severe penalty. And often we see pros will take their dispersion cones and point them very far away so that even their farthest right miss won't go into the OB. How do you set up a hole to still entice people to take on risk when there's OB that close uh, on a hole where you want to see some risk reward? Mm. What's, the, what's been the philosophy there? Yeah, I think it will be interesting to see just what percentage of golfers hit the driver there, Sully, because um, you know, it certainly has tightened a lot tightened up a lot on the left um i know that the rough um you know to the left of the hole is 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 as protected as it can be in terms of golfing traffic um in the in the run-up to the open because i guess that's one thing you know the temptation will be to hit it way left but if they're in the in the heavy rough then it takes you know out of getting up in two out of out of uh, the equation i think um but also i think just that that layup shot for a second shot you know the out of bounds continues all of the way up that right side and it only sort of just starts to go away from the green a little bit, much closer to the green. So, um, so even even then, even the layup shot is going to be, you know, not without its uh, its challenges, and and you need to be, you know, pick your line and and commit to it, um, because the way the green's bunkered with you know with all the bunkers on that left hand side, just sort of protecting the the flags which can be tucked behind um, that side. Um, you know, definitely the, the the more right as you say you can be, the better. Certainly off the tee. Um, if you can be in the fairway as tight to the, the cop as possible, then that's that's the shortest route to the hole and, and right into the green. Um, and and likewise for any layup second shot, the tighter to the right, um, you know, the, the easier the shot will be, um, assuming the greens are, are nice and firm. Um, so yeah, I think it's a it's a great finishing hole. Um, finishes in a great place. The the grandstand around it is you know it's, it's um, it will be a, a superb scene um, come uh, in the open. What can you tell us about the future of open championship venues? If, if, you know, it, if I'm looking at it and, and the schedule of things, it seems like Lytham has maybe shifted its way out of it for the, the, for the men's side of the open championship. I'm wondering if you have any perspective on that and say, does that come down to footprint? Does the footprint of these championships continue to grow to the point where you need bigger and wider venues with more entry points? What's, what's kind of your perspective on, on where we see the open championship going in the future? Yeah, I mean, again, it's for the RNA to sort of give sure. more detail on that. But uh, but no, in terms of you know what, where you know, we're working on some of these venues, I think that the fact that the Open has gone all ticket, um, you know, has resulted in I guess the RNA can be confident they can sell out any venue. Uh, yeah, it's just not a not an issue to sell as many tickets as they like. Given, I mean, look at that demand for St Andrews last year. So then it comes to you know what is the capacity of each of the venues. Um, and and you're right. You know, Lytham is 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 a, you know is tightly bound with the you know the the, the boundaries are, are where they are. They're not going to change, and and there are their challenges there. But you know, we have got a cunning plan. So let's see whether any you know what happens with that. So um, you know, because I think everybody respects it as a as a great test of golf. And and again, the champions we got with Seve winning twice and, and Ernie last time. You know, it'd be such a shame if that didn't host another Open. So fingers crossed we can, something maybe in the pipeline there. Um, but yes, it's you're absolutely right. I mean, Port Rush, for instance, um, we're going to be, you know, with the Open having not been there for so long, you have that that issue of, you know, reviewing how a course plays, how a venue behaves. Um, so we've certainly been, you know, working with the RNA and the club um, for minor adjustments to the course because it, it did hold up pretty well. Um, you know, for that 2019 Open, but there's been some adjustments made already, some minor minor tweaks, and there'll be you know a few more 
um, coming this winter for you know, in time for 2025. Um, so, and and also the other the other aspect of Portrush is to is to make it ready for for some more spectators. Uh, it was so popular. Um, you were, I imagine you were there. Uh, you, know, for the, you weren't there. Oh, what a shame! But it was. I mean, the whole of Ireland just just went went north to Portrush. It was fantastic. The atmosphere. Um, so, I guess the you know, if those spectator facilities can be you know enlarged without spoiling the golf course, and that's always the fundamental thing, and and that's spoiling the play of the holes, but also the look of the course, and and so that's what we've been. Um, yeah, working on you know with the RNA and the club, and so you know, fingers crossed that will happen in time for 25. Um, Troon, um, we did some you know fair few changes there for um, for next year. Um, some some tees um, have gone back, um, which will really just test out uh, the players a bit more on again the par fives and um, and even the par threes as well. So, uh, but not the poacher stamp that will remain at one one two eight. <laughs> no change there. <laughs> but, uh, um, and what a great hole, you know, to have a hole, uh, again, coming back to linking it with Hoylake, you know, there will be comparisons made with the postage stamp and the fact that on the Saturday it was played at 100 yards. Um, you know, what a what a great spectacle that was um, and will continue to be. Um, so I hope that the 17th of Hoylake has that, you know, gets that sort of similar start in life. Um, but uh, postage stamp's obviously been there for 100 years plus, so it's got a bit of a head start. And what a great hole it is. Um, in fact, we had a great project there at Troon um, where we, we've designed a, a new par three course, the Craig Ends. They did have a, a shorter course um, and it was shifted over uh, to where the open practice ground lies. So some of the greens of this par three course will act as targets for the open. Uh, but it was one of the past captains actually said, well, what about having a, a, a replica postage stamp as part of, of this par three course, which is exactly what we put there. Um, we had all the all the levels of the um, of the postage stamp, so it's pretty close. The bunkers are slightly less severe, but they're still going to be quite a test to to come out of them. So the members seem to be enjoying that, um, and it gives some of the you know the older older guys who maybe can't play the the full course anymore the opportunity to go and uh, and still sample the the postage stamp. So um, so yeah, there's a few. Changed my partner Tom McKenzie. He's, he's and and he's got our colleague Mike Howard. They're they're advising at uh, Royal Birkdale as well. So that was that was a great commission to to win this year. So we'll be interested to see what what comes of that. Turnbury, we still look at you know making improving Turnbury. So that would be brilliant to um you know to think that that could get even better. Um, and Royal St George's you know, a little bit of way off I guess for the Open, but. Um, but we'll certainly be be looking at uh, at things there as well as Carnoustie. So, so yeah, we're 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 really spoilt for for working on some of these great great links. But um, we just hope hope people don't think we're um, you know that we're respecting them and we're producing you know good good sensible changes um, as well. Well, the highest compliment I can pay you is that you have left me with a yearning, not a desire, a yearning to play some links golf right here, right now. Like looking at all these images and talking about the upcoming open, it, it's, uh, it's been, a, I was about to say, it's been a long time since I've been over. It's only been a little over a year, but in my mind, it's been a long time because it's, uh, I, I, I've, again, I've said it a million times and I'm not the only one that feels this way, but if you've never got a chance to experience links golf, you've not fully experienced the, the brilliance of the game. And, uh, I just love watching the pros compete on these landscapes and uh, greatly appreciate chatting with you on the, on the, uh, all the perspective on all the challenges that you try to provide them. This has been great. And hopefully we do it again next year for true. And maybe, maybe we make this an annual thing for all the, all the, all the updates and changes you made, but thank you so much for your time, Martin and uh, best of luck. And uh, hope to hope we get a great week next week. Take care. Thank you very much. Thanks. Ollie. Be the right club. Be the right club today. Honey, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most!